everyone, and welcome to Conversations on Sex, Addiction, and Relationships. I'm Tim Stein. I'm here with my good friends and colleagues, Wendy Conquest, Dan Drake, and Jeannie Vitoni. And today we are conversing about eroticized rage. Uh, eroticized rage is a term coined by Patrick Carnes that, uh, that describes anger that has become sexualized and is expressed indirectly through sexual behaviors. And so that is something that we see um, in obvious and in subtle ways in the addicts that we work with. Uh, some partners may have experienced it coming their way. And today we're going to do a deep dive into eroticized rage. Sounds like a roller coaster when you say it like that. <laughs> you know, it kind of is. The roller coaster. I'm wondering how you guys and Wendy and Dan, how do you how would you define, how would you explain eroticized rage? Um you want to do just Wendy? for the listeners oh, well, knowing, they're so, both sitting there thinking. Yeah, thinking. <laughs> yeah. So uh I'm I'm gonna give some examples. Mm. I think that might be helpful. Well, first of all, I'm gonna say that this is unconscious. So addicts when we're talking about their behavior and some some pretty outrageous things can happen they really don't understand that perhaps they're really angry or rageful with their own lives with things that are happening that might be projected into the relationship that they have or the marriage that they have they they don't they're not aware of it so I think one of the biggest indicators of eroticized rage is when someone brings someone from the outside into the marital bed to have sex. Because we say, well, why, why, what, why would someone do that? That like, that's so personal. And, if, and for the partners, I find that this is really a, a, an extremely hurtful, very insulting, very uh, uh, devastating piece of information when they find out. It's one thing to be sexual mm. hotel room. It's another thing to be sexual, right? But so when- to be, So to be clear, you're not talking about bringing someone in to, for the couple to have a threesome. You're no. talking about the addict bringing someone else into their bedroom and being sexual with them in the bed that they sleep with and share with their partner. Yes, thank you for that clarification. And not metaphorical <laughs> marital bed, but literal. The literal <laughs> marital bed. <laughs> Wendy, um, not to disagree, um, but I wanna, I wanna expand or offer, like I... I think sometimes addicts are conscious of that. I'm thinking of those who have that more vindictive, um, retaliatory piece of, I'm, I got into this big fight with my partner at home. And so, you know what? I don't care. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to go do X, Y. And that that is their literal thought process of, I'm so angry over here. Mm. And so, you know what? To heck with them. I'm going to go out to the bars. I'm going to go cruise. I'm going to go watch porn because I know they don't want me to. You know, so there is that vindictive piece that is, I think. Now, do they understand it's eroticized anger? No, 
but I do think there's a consciousness of I'm so mad and I'm therefore creating that false rationalization justification I've seen, to then go out and do the behavior. I've seen both though, you know, and I think yeah, what you're yeah, talking yeah, that's about, what I'm saying. I think what you're talking about Jeannie is does somebody, does their addictive entitlement fit into anger? I'm angry with you. And so I'm acting out as a way to get back at you either directly or indirectly, or is it more of a, there's this stuffed anger that isn't really safe for whatever reason to express directly. And it comes out sideways, whether that's bringing someone into the marital bed. You know, I often think that paying for sex is oftentimes an expression of eroticized anger or sexualized anger. It goes by a number of different terms, but um, I'm using you and I don't really have any interest in the impact it has on you, anything beyond that. I'm just using you for my 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 what I want and I'm moving on and I don't care about you. The same way that uh, uh, many people who are porn addicts, the choice of porn that they choose to view will have very sometimes overt violence against women or against themselves, but it will also have very subtle violence. You know, there are a number of uh, categories out there that um, uh, are unfortunately rather popular with addicts, but also have this subtle theme of eroticized anger and, uh, you know, uh, expressing, you know, like expressing bodily fluids onto a partner is... While some people might find that very erotic, it can also be a, a very strong expression of eroticized anger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tim, I really like the, the so this piece um, because I I was making a distinction with the partner of um, so so someone is having sex with somebody else and they're angry at the partner, but you made a really great point there, which is eroticized rage can be. Uh, definitely with the person that they're have being sexual with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, there are, there are, there are some now, you know, I'm not saying that all of these behaviors are always inappropriate. There are people that have healthy sex lives and they incorporate some of these behaviors voluntarily, but also many of these behaviors can have that eroticized anger attached to them. There are a number of sexual behaviors that, um, I think for many addicts or people that have that acting out with their partner, I think anal sex is one of them that can be very, uh, an expression of anger of, 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 you know, it, it, it's an erotic experience. I'm acting out, but there's this expression of anger that can be connected to it. And that's not the only one, you know, like I said, you know, the ex expression expulsion of body fluids onto a partner or all kinds of things out there that can have that theme and that metaphor. That's so interesting because there's a lot of people that would say, you know, anal sex is a way, another way of exploring mm -hmm. and, and being sexual. I'm curious why specifically you're saying anal sex would be associated with anger. Am I hearing that right? Um, for some people, anal sex is uncomfortable and painful. Uh, for some people, anal sex is not something that they are at all interested in. And it is one of those behaviors that for whatever reason, I, I hear it more often than others, that the addict has been obsessed with it and the partner has been uninterested. And there's been this subtle um, pressure from the addict for the partner to engage in this behavior that the partner's like, I have no interest in it. And I, I wonder if part of that addict's 
obsession. Partly, I think it's the viewing of porn where that becomes a very normalized behavior and sort of it it, it creates that escalation, the, the increase in intensity that the addict's brain is looking for. But okay. I also wonder if anger uh, with their partner or anger from the past is incorporated into that and their fascination and that increase in pressure of trying to pressure their partner into this behavior that the partner, you know, it, if the partner willingly engages it, enjoys it, so be it. But and I think not that's always. an important piece to, is, um, and um, I don't hear you saying this, but I want to offer you the opportunity to clarify. Because I'm thinking of, of the homosexual couples and our oh, yeah. gay couples, right? And this is part of their sexuality and it has nothing to do with anger. It has mm -hmm. to do with expression of love, actually. Yes. And so, you know, being being mindful of, I hear you coming from a heterosexual point of view when talking about this. And yes. so I guess I want to offer you the opportunity to clarify or or explain because I'm 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 playing, you know, uh, gay couples in my mind and they're not agreeing with you whatsoever. Oh, absolutely. Although I would say even with some gay couples, I would guess that that could be there the same way that with heterosexual couples, you know, very vanilla to for a lousy term, but I'm going to use it. Uh, vanilla sex can have anger attached to it. For me, it, it it's kind of like when we talk about sex addiction and what is sex addiction. And we often say, look, it's not about the behaviors. You know, I'm not looking as somebody masturbating, as somebody looking at porn, as somebody you know, is somebody involved in polyamory, I'm not looking at that and based on the behavior saying this is an addiction. I'm looking at what's the pattern underneath it that it's connected to. And so I think when we're looking at eroticized anger and the behaviors that it may be expressed with, the same thing is true. And that it's not necessarily the behavior. There are common behaviors that this commonly gets attached to when that issue is present those same behaviors might be a very normal, healthy, positive, connecting, intimate experience between two people that are choosing to engage in that behavior. The question for me is, when you dig underneath the surface, is there an anger piece that's been unaddressed, that's floating down there, and has it somehow connected to this behavior? Okay. And I, I got you, and I'm with you, and... and is there anger in the, in the currents and how do we address that? I just wanted, you know, because mm -hmm. talking about anal sex as an expression of anger oh, is yeah. not always accurate. No, I really appreciate that because I, you know, I, I'm very aware that there are, are, are very different sexual relationships out there. And I certainly don't want to stigmatize simply based on the relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, we're always looking at what's the pattern underneath it. And mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I, um, I'm curious. So take us in a little different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, historical. So where does this come from? Just doesn't happen one day. Um, I'm, I was, you know, you asked Jeannie early what, what we see. And I, I see this template of eroticized rage, especially the one that's more unconscious. The one Wendy was talking about start really early. So many times if, and I typically work with men, but men have had a trauma history um, maybe over enmeshment in their family. So some, somehow they learned to like, you know, suppress themselves, not, not be able to have their true, their true self show up. Like maybe they had to be mom's 
surrogate somehow emotional surrogate for some reason or there's some sort of violation they weren't able to express themselves emotionally so they shut that part off but there's still part that part of them says wait i don't like that but they never get a chance to say no i don't like that i want to be a kid to me i don't know what you guys would say but i see that early healthy like protest that never got to be expressed as the starting seeds of this and then i kind of see it explode in adolescence when this sort of I don't like it. And then they kind of become sexualized or maybe they're already introduced sexually because of some sort of sexual violation. But I don't know if you guys would see it, but I see that sort of, you know, early, early, early attachment kind of trauma leading to, to this. And they never got to express the anger or have their true expression. And then it kind of gets eroticized. And so then they'll show this, the, the split, this, this, like, it kind of builds up this momentum that they never express and it kind of gets darker and darker over time. But on the outside, you might see a very, very like nice person. They're very agreeable, nice, easygoing, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. people pleaser. So mm -hmm. it's like this, this Jekyll Hyde split. Is that what you guys see with the more unconscious type eroticized anger or what do you guys see? Yeah, I get very, very curious when I have a client come in and we start talking about their emotional experience and they say, well, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not an angry person. I don't get angry. I, I think of myself as a very calm person and I just, I don't like the idea of getting angry. Then that's a red flag to me. I'm like, oh, they could be really, really angry <laughs> inside, right? Because of this denial of this very important part of human experience yeah i find i find that 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 comes out in the trauma work when you start digging into the trauma work and as you start bumping into things the common realization is oh i'm angry about that and i'm angry about that i'm angry about that and oftentimes these pe people the clients that have been coming in and they're like you know i'm easygoing and i'm very nice and i'm very pleasant and everybody likes me and you start bumping into the trauma and there's this realization of you've got a lot of anger in here that's never been acknowledged. And it it's coming out in these sideways ways. Although I will say, Dan, I I, I think it often goes to the extremes. You know, where I'm 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 very fond of talking about the extremes are often problematic in recovery, is aiming for what's what's it like in balance and in the middle and figuring out which way to lean at different times. I see eroticized anger coming out with people that have that kernel of anger that I don't like this, but it wasn't safe to express it. And and I didn't have a model to express that. And, you know, whether it's, you know, I was angry at mom or I was angry at dad, and that was immediately shut down. And I got the message loud and clear, you don't do that. Or mom and dad just pretended that there was never anything wrong. They weren't going to argue. They were going to fight. And that was the message of our family does not get angry. And then it comes out that way. I also see eroticized anger attached to the people that come out of the very volatile families. That anger was not moderated that anger was uh, on the sleeve all the time. And they learned that you feel angry and you express it. And then it gets incorporated into all kinds of aspects of their life, including their sexuality in sometimes very destructive ways, but also, also in ways that just show up in what they consider to be a very happy, healthy sex life. But there's a lot of anger and aggression that is connected to it that hasn't really been addressed because of that other extreme type of family that they came out of in that ex that experience of anger. And the common denominator is anger was not embraced and acknowledged as a normal, healthy emotion to be expressed in an appropriate way. It was either stuffed or it was unregulated. 
You know, another way that I see anger expressed is in a, it's it has an element of of good enoughs. And I think, and I, I'm still working this through, so I'll be curious what you guys think. But the um, the person who their their sexual behavior is a way to compensate that they're good enough, and the use of anger or control mm-hmm. that compensates that I am good enough, I am sexual enough, I am virile enough, I look what I can do, and and sometimes it takes on there's aggressive acts either with sex workers or in pornography, but look at what I can do because now I'm good enough. And I, I see that as, as expressed anger as well, sexualized anger as well. Um, and, and it has to come back to that trauma wound, which is the, the esteem and the self-confidence. And I, am I good enough in the world? And so I see that as a loop sometimes. Do you guys see that? Well, I was just thinking, I mean, I imagine... Yeah many emotions could go like I, it could be anger but it could be I, I i have fear that i've never really learned how to so i might overcompensate and or power learn how to become express myself and be, have agency and now i'm going to dominate instead of mm-hmm. you know i flip to the other side or something yeah so i could see a lot of different emotions if i haven't really learned how to feel them process through them if they weren't safe how they could get i, I get i just kind of see like this this like you said, Colonel, I forgot who said that this Colonel that, that starts to fester and, and then it, it, it grows over time into something that becomes a way to try and protect the person, but it becomes usually problematic. I think you said that. I think you I said, Colonel, <laughs> well, that guy was a genius. That guy knew what he was that talking guy. about. <laughs> nice. It's, hey, it's really cool when you can quote yourself. I quoted myself here. <laughs> Jeannie, it's a really interesting, you know, it's an interesting point. I, I guess I, I, I haven't framed it that way. I find that when addicts act out, it can be because the stress of the world of relationships of dynamics is so great and they don't have the internal ability to regulate emotions. And so then it's, I have to feel better and so this is a way that I can, I can do that. Um, as far as uh, this makes me feel competent, boy, I've, I don't, I'm thinking, I don't know if I've ever had an addict say, you know, when I was acting out, I felt competent or I felt, you know, masterful or I, masculine, I strong or, man image. I have not had that. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, because when when you yeah. say Wendy, when you say to help them deal with the stress and feel good, and you use a different words. What did you just use? Not good enough. Those were my words. Yeah, they feel stressed. They feel overwhelmed. They don't feel competent. They don't feel masterful. Not masterful, but mainly yeah. not masterful in as a man, but masterful like in the world or in their own lives. It has a much like darker deeper root to it okay okay there was something um, there was something there and, and i liked i wanted to pick the words but that's okay of course now we'll have to like replay the video to find out what it was the, the other but- the other time that i see so the the main so a main trajectory is when um addicts feel like they've been giving too much way too much uh on an unconscious level and the anger gets more and more and then it's okay this acting out this is for me 
And then the other paradigm is I don't feel appreciated. I don't feel wanted. I don't feel needed. And so this is a way for me to feel adored. This is a way for me to feel like someone really likes me, wants me. And so those, those are the ways that I, you know, those are the pieces that I hear of introspection around why an addict is acting out. Well, let me just pause real quick and and just sort of remind you, you're listening to conversations on sex addiction and relationships. Today, we're talking about eroticized rage or eroticized anger or sexualized anger. And to shift the conversation just slightly. So if there's an addict that's struggling with eroticized anger or the the possibility that eroticized anger is playing out in their their life, how, how, how do they find their way through this? what what what's the what what's the what's the treatment or what's what are the steps that they can take to try to address this and uh resolve it so that it's not creating destruction mm-hmm. for them or other people mm-hmm. no i'm glad you asked that question because i think that's really important in one of the reasons we do this podcast is we're trying to get quality information um out into the universe and so to always ask that question okay so if you find yourself or a loved one in this scenario, what are some ideas? What are some tools? What are some ideas? Well, I think one of the things that I would say is, you know, sometimes uh, uh, book therapy can be helpful. And like we were referencing Maureen Canning's book, Lust, Anger, Love, which is actually a really good sex addiction book that talks a lot about sexualized anger and how it shows up in the addictive patterns and gives some insights into sort of what that healing for yourself looks like. And it's all sort of based on the Meadows model of post-induction therapy, but it's a really good book that, that, that can give some insight into sexualized anger. Wendy, Dan, what, what is a go-to you would say? Well, it's, it's a little indirect. I've got a few thoughts, but this is a little indirect. I mean, I like, I do like Pat Carnes's betrayal bond book because if I'm recreating a pattern in my current relationship, it's probably indication of something happening in the past. So sometimes that helps bring these things to light. Mm-hmm. Um, that's helpful. I, I've got a. I will also say on the professional side, uh, if someone comes in, if you're if you're working, if you're a professional listening to this and you're working with somebody, um, and they present, I'll, I'll often see this show up where people overly, um, um, they 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 kind of idealize the past or they don't really go. Nothing major traumatizing happened or whatever. They, they'll say this. And so, and they're kind of stuffed. They're, they're they're they may be the nice guy, and kind of take them. Just don't take it at face value. I think dig deeper and really. I, that's where sometimes looking at you know on the addict side, looking at what kind of pornography they're watching can be really helpful. What are they really looking at? Can be telling because there's metaphors playing out in whatever my you know sexual acting out will be. It's going to show up. There's going to be a reason I'm I'm acting this stuff out. So I, I look there. Um, but yeah, definitely if 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 you're someone struggling, getting getting help. For sure, finding a professional specialist, a CSAT would be ideal for this, would be really helpful because this is going to involve in-depth. It's not going to just have started now. Typically, usually there's links to the past. So getting that that good work done from, you know, trauma work will be really helpful. And partners, usually on the partner side, partners will probably have seen this or felt it and maybe not quite known what it is, but it may not be sexual. The expression may not be sexual mm-hmm. in the relationship, but you'll probably feel some sort of passive aggressive something mm-hmm. somewhere, right? I, I I just feel like you'll you'll know it. You might not know quite what it is, but there's some clues there if you're working with a partner, if you're a partner. 
I would also say spend time to um, reflect on what is my relationship with anger? Do I, do I feel comfortable expressing anger? How do I express my anger? What was it like growing up? Was anger a fluent emotion too much or not enough in my growing up? So I think a starting place is reflecting on, um, am I comfortable with, do I express that emotion? Think- and that can be with anybody, you know, addict, non-addict partner, you know, whomever. I think that's a really great um, exercise. What about think- you, Wendy? Yeah, I think a lot of partners listen to our podcast, which I really greatly appreciate. So I just want to say, if you're a partner and you're listening, you say, oh my gosh, you know, my husband, my boyfriend really needs to listen to this. My um, girlfriend, my wife. My girlfriend, my wife, right? I, I Right. Thank you for that. Yes. Um, so, so take pause, take pause because no one likes to be told, Hey, you know, I listen to this podcast and I think you, <laughs> I think you right. Have eroticized rage. I think you, so, um, so if you're listening to this and you're, you're noticing this in your partner, you can maybe give a gentle suggestion. Hey, you know, I did hear a podcast. There are these therapists that are talking about some interesting subjects. If you're interested, you know, I can send you the link Mm -hmm. for those people that are listening and say, wow, you know, maybe I have eroticized rage. Maybe I don't. If you're a person where anger was just not allowed this now is going to be an interesting journey. And so can, can, can you on a daily basis, just in the world, basically say, well, how am I feeling irritated today? Yeah. How am I feeling annoyed today? So I have, I work with clients with a feelings wheel. And so there are more subtle feelings on the outside. And then the feelings are labeled more and more intense. And so for people that uh, are uncomfortable with this emotion, we start kind of soft. And I even take one step back. I even start with, even if they, maybe they don't know annoyance, they're not even in touch with that. I, I start with I, where, where don't you like something? I don't like that. Yeah. Oh. Just I actually go the opposite way. And I, I, I don't do the feeling wheel and I break it into basic categories. And I explain irritation, frustration, don't like something is anger. And I, and building on what Jeannie said, sort of not just the exploration, but I think if you recognize that, hey, there's something going on here, I think it's really helpful to just step in and sort of embrace and own, I'm an angry person. And so let me start to recognize all the places where my anger shows up. And now my job is how do I allow myself to feel and appropriately express my anger instead of stuffing it? Mm-hmm. in a relational way because this is we've seen some some oh, yeah. some people that are in recovery and then well now i i go to the end i realized my rights were violated so now i'm gonna have these rock solid boundaries and these walls that are impenetrable and i'm gonna you know and now they have the betrayed partner who's getting all these this pushback of and sometimes yeah. it's aggressiveness that's that's pushed on the partner so i mean mm-hmm. i will also say as someone's learning this be very 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 having good support on both sides and having good couple support is really important because this also isn't the opportunity to unleash childhood trauma on your betrayed partner either. And and the partner having the boundaries to be able to tolerate that this person who's never 
who's always just been easygoing and pleasant is suddenly expressing that they don't like things. And can you tolerate that? This yeah. is this is yeah. why we're having this conversation, right? right? This is this is there are many faces of this. There's many experiences of it. There's a diversity of expression of it. Even the term eroticized rage, eroticized anger, sexualized anger. Like there's there's a lot of complexity here. So this is us today presenting our our uh, first first swing at this, but it could be deeper conversation. So we're encouraging you all, those who are listening to if you start to venture into this, you know, have a trusted someone that you can talk it out with. And if you have questions, because we're just introducing this topic and giving you our first, you know, half an hour exploration of it. But if something comes up for you that you've got questions about this, send us an email and we'll put it in our mailbag episodes. And you can send those questions to conversations.sar at gmail.com. Well done. You going to sign you. us off, sir? I'm yeah. going to sign us off. Thank you all for joining us today on Conversations on Sex, Addiction, and Relationships. I hope you found this conversation helpful. I always enjoy doing this, and I think I speak for the rest of the crew when I say that we love doing these podcasts and putting this information out to you. Wish you all the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah,